now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Week eight now of the Dogman Podcast. I'm Jack McCauley alongside Luke Munger, and we are here not so much the day after the aftermath, but a couple days after. Now, Luke, now that you got your thoughts gathered after what? Probably the biggest game you've ever seen in your entire life. How, yeah, not even close. What, I mean, where, by I guess, far the biggest game. Walk walk me through your day, your experience, you know, what, what, what went on. Yeah. Well, I woke up. I remember I woke up at 3.15. And I was like, I really struggled to go back to bed. But I did fall back asleep until 5. We packed the car, headed to E12, walked up to game day. Admittedly, we didn't stay for all of game day. Came back down to E12. And then uh, headed into the stadium pretty early, maybe 11.30. Wow, that's really early. 11.45. Wanted to make sure we were in our seats, didn't miss anything. And then I basically, like, the rest is history. How about yourself, J-Mac? Yeah, um, I felt like it was one of those rare days now where you feel like you're a kid on Christmas, like you're going to sleep. I tried to get in bed like at 8.30, the, 9 o'clock the night before, just real early. Wasn't able to do so. Didn't fall asleep till about 11 o'clock. Had the alarm set for 2.45. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so left the house at 3.15. <laughs> it's began tailgating, watching India versus Pakistan cricket at the stop. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, yeah, that that was the only thing on TV. So we watched the Cricket World <laughs> Cup. Don't know a thing about cricket, and we watched we rewatched the uh, Oregon Washington game from 2022. But that's just like you're burning time. And then we got to the game day around 4:30 or so. Uh, yeah, game day was awesome. That was definitely one of my favorite experiences of the day, just because it's so unique. You know, it's one of those bucket list items for every college football fan. Uh, tailgated the rest of the day. Up until, you know, we were in our seats too around 1145, 1140 um, as well. And yeah, it was one of those games where everybody too was packed. It was the, state, the stands were packed that early. You know, there's so much anticipation and rightfully totally. so. And obviously the game had everything you wanted. Ups, downs, sideways, turns, you name it, had every emotion. It and it was, just, it was just an experience. And I guess that leads us to this weekend, you know, with such a big win. Do you think in your mind that there's a chance of a hangover week where Washington, you know, could fumble to a team that they've had a ton of struggle with in the past, you know, obviously haven't won on the road there since like 2002 or 2003? Yeah. You know, I I think it's hard to say. I don't want to get into my confidence interval too early, so I won't answer that directly. I don't think that they'll lose to Arizona State. I do think it's possible more than an emotional hangover, but just like a physically beat up Washington team. I think it's possible that maybe Washington isn't at the peak of its powers after such a battle with people like Jeremy Bernard and Jalen McMillan still kind of questionable on the offensive side. Um, But that said, I mean, I think everybody in the entire state of Washington understands that the Huskies have dropped 13 of 15 to Arizona state. Right. And are like, I don't know, are ready to see that not happen again. Jack, what do you think? Yeah. I, you know, with a game like last year where they dropped it, on the road to Arizona state. I think this is a great game to have right after you have uh, a team like Oregon, because you have that emotional, 
you still have that emotional draw to play really well uh, because they're a team who, who beat you last year, who took one of your two losses, you know, took away a Pac-12 championship, you know, berth or uh, even as, could have taken away a CFP berth for that matter. Um, but also they're just one of the weaker teams in the conference. So, you know, you get after a huge, you know, massively physical game uh, against a rivalry team like Oregon, you can reset a little bit, hopefully reset at least against Arizona State. You know, offensively, I guess we could jump right into the preview as well. They got some playmakers. I think two playmakers, I believe, in my opinion, if you stop them, you'll win the game, no question. And that's Cam Scadabo and Elijah Badger. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Arizona State, this has been the weaker side of the ball for them. Offense, they've had a lot of issues with injuries along the offensive line. They've had 10 guys play. And this is a team that's one in five. So they're not like rotating bodies in late to get experience, right? Like they've had people banged up and had to move people in and out. They've played three quarterbacks. Um, so there's been inconsistency there. Elijah Badger receiver, six, two 190 pounds. Uh, he's a kicker turner as well. Really good with the ball in his hands. His, uh, they're going to get it to him quickly. Screen passes, slants, like little kind of like hook pattern type things. Let him try to make plays once the ball is in his hands. Um, and then, I think that Scadabo really underrated back. He's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry, but uh, I looked it up today. Over two thirds of his yards come after contact this season. Like he's a guy that just is making a ton out of what he's being given. So yeah, Jack, what do you think about Trenton Borgay, by the way? Cause that's who we're expecting to see. He yeah. beat us last year. Yeah. Yeah. Beat us last year. Uh, definitely a guy who, I, I think I think he can do a number of different things from what we saw last year. But then again, it was also a weird game last year. You know, there's no secondary depth, and you're in the heat of Arizona, which you're not used yeah. to uh, if you're Washington. Um, so I, I, I think they can – I think if you're able to kind of like we mentioned, you know, keep everything in front of you with Cam Scadabo and Elijah Badger. You know, I don't trust Borgay to go beat you down the field with his arm too much. It's just more about shoring up tackling, you know, you can't let what happened to Bucky, what Bucky Irving did to you last week with Cam Scadabo or Elijah Badger, because both of them are really slippery. Uh, so we got to be sure fired as well. But then again, I think something that's going to help out this game and you know might ease a little bit of tension for Washington is kind of like I said, I don't think I don't think Trenton Borgay is going to beat you over over the top vertically too much, and they don't have too many guys who are going to do that to you either. No, I mean, like you said, I think Washington was really banked up in the secondary. They're healthier there this year. Um, and yeah, another thing to mention just about this Arizona State offense, they've allowed 18 sacks in six games. And this is also considering that Trenton Borgay in the games that he's played, average depth of target is under seven yards. So they're getting it out quickly. Um, and I think honestly, a lot of that is fed by the fact that their offensive line has been pretty banged up. But just offensively, you're going to see a team that tries to get it out quickly, screen passes, quick hitters, let their playmakers make plays. And I think Washington will in a way, kind of pin their ears back and try to challenge, especially now that they have some health and have added guys like Jabbar Muhammad to yes. their secondary. Try Muhammad to challenge Borgay to make those throws. Yeah, Muhammad too was – I thought he was so impressive against Oregon. You know, all the big plays didn't come against him at all. He was extremely impressive, and I think Muhammad play, is going to play big. I, I, ho- I really do hope he shadows Badger the entire game. I do. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, This is a team, again, that has allowed 18 sacks in six games. It'll be interesting to see if Braylon Trice, Zion Tupolfatui can get some numbers there. 
Um, lastly, one last thing I'll mention about this. Drew Pine, a quarterback who got hurt that played earlier, and Trenton Borgay have both caught passes. Scadabo has attempted four passes this year. That's Kenny crazy. Dillingham, not afraid to get a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he, no, not at all. I think another interesting stat to note, too, is kind of looking at it. One out of every four Scadabo touches is through the air, which is – huh. So everyone, yeah, and he has, he's averaging 15 yards a carry. So I don't know if 15 yards, 15 yards a carry, goodness gracious, they'd be winning the national championship if that was true. Uh, 15 <laughs> yards per reception, excuse me. Yeah, they one out of every, yeah, one out of every, uh, one out of every four or five touches he gets is going to be through the air, too. So yeah. they love, love to use him through the air. I guess defensively, too, we can turn our attention over there. Uh, are there any names that really stick out to you? You know, what do you see Arizona schematically drumming up for Washington? Uh, yeah, you know, I think Arizona State is actually pretty solid along the defensive line. Deshaun Mallory is a guy who stands out. Kind of a voice Tanufi type body, 6'1", 275, interior guy. He has seven tackles for loss this year. Uh, he's kind of like a penetration guy in the middle. Um, I think another one, they have two good edges. BJ Green is one. He has four sacks this year. Uh, but he's a guy that requires a lot of attention and that's freed space up for Prince Dorba. He has six sacks this year. So um, I think they're actually pretty solid in the trenches and Arizona state has not been bad defensively. They haven't been spectacular, but they've only allowed one team to score more than 30 points and that's USC. Yeah. Which is one of the best offenses in America. And I think their defense is extremely underrated actually, you know, their record is, one and five, but I think that hinders more on the offensive side, just not being able to drum anything up their defense. Uh, I forget where I saw it today, but I saw a stat on Twitter and it was like, they hold teams to like, they're, they're, they're a minus category. So they, they, and it's like by a big margin too. So, you know, if they, if, you know, if you average 20 points a game, they'll hold people to like 17 and a half, 18. Yeah. So they're going to beat, they're going to beat that mark on you for sure. Uh, but just their offense has a tough time spinning their wheels. Uh, I think sure. defensively, obviously, you know, Michael Penix is going to be their focal point. There's no question about that. But Chris Edmonds is the guy who ends up around the ball uh, most for them. And he's a DB. And I think, honestly, that could have just be attributed to them really trying to keep things in front of them and keep the game. Uh, they're going to try and keep the game and move the ball as slow as possible. They're also going to want you to move the ball as slow as possible and try and kind of get – they're going to try and do what Washington did to Oregon where – you know, they're going to give up some chunk yardages, but they're going to want a couple plays where they can make two stops in a, on a drive or, or third and fourth down stop, second and third down stop to really limit uh, damage. Absolutely. Yeah, I think – and then one more name, a guy that's been around for a while, 6'3 corner, Roe Torrance. I think he'll be an interesting matchup, especially if Washington is limited at the receiver position and it's just Odunze out there of the original starting three. I think – Obviously, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll take Roma Dunze against any corner in the country, but yeah. it would be interesting to see a guy like that lined up against a Dunze if you're then rolling out like Denzel Boston uh, and then either a freshman or Giles Jackson, depending on his redshirt situation. So I think that'll be an interesting one to monitor as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be very interesting to monitor the health of both McMillan uh, and Jeremy Bernard. This is this is kind of off topic too, while you mentioned Giles Jackson. I had a couple, I had a discussion with this about with a couple coworkers actually. Do you think that no matter what Giles Jackson plays, or do you think, because I think personally, depending on the health of Jeremy Bernard, Jalen McMillan, they're going to try and save Giles Jackson for game. They're not going to use him for a game like Arizona State, Stanford, 
and then really try and use him later in the later ends of the season or those more important games? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would lean with you, Jack, to be honest. And I don't think that we would see Giles Jackson if that is assuming one of the two can go. You So you think if one of the guys – so you think say – I think if one of the two can go, they don't play him. However, it's a terrible mentality to take in and be like, we're not going to play this guy. And yeah, then like, I, what, I, if, I what if something bad happens, right? And it's like a, it's a tight game at halftime or something. You know what I mean? So, I think he'll suit up. I just don't know. I think the Huskies – here's the thing. It's just – you can't like game plan wise. You know if – like you have to – it's a yes or no question. It's not a maybe. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. It's, and it's I think if it. one of the two can go, that we don't see Giles Jackson. That's just my guess. I obviously have I mean, absolutely I think, no. I think they want to save him. Uh, I think I think they want to really bump him to not not be active. I don't think I think they want to try and save him for next season. I think they don't want to hit the portal. They want a guy that knows their offense. So I think they're going to try and save him. Yeah. Uh, Gosh dang, dude, now we're off topic, but how about, I mean, Giles Jackson, I think Husky Nation, if we get a year of Giles Jackson next year, I think Husky Nation's excited about what they're going to see. I yeah. Mean, did he not ball out against the Ducks? I know. I know. they. He was quite the surprise. And I think as good as that touchdown catch was, there was like a third or fourth down where he ran a slant over the middle. He was draped by the defender. Penix threw the ball. like It was a rocket thrown at him. Great ball placement, but like an insanely tough catch to make. Yeah. He's like, how do you not appreciate Giles Jackson there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely stellar performance first of the year. We feel covered on the on the on the Sun Devil defense here. Yes, I think I think so. You know, they're a good defensive squad. Yeah, they they're gonna. I think they're just gonna try and keep the game in front of them. Not really try to be too aggressive. I don't think, and they're gonna try to keep the game as close as they can to try and make some offensive uh, punches thrown. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stamfel, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Is it time to pick the pack? It is time to pick the pack. You want to read us off uh, the slate there, Lukey? Yeah. Well, let's catch everyone up. Are we even now on the season? We are even on this. A good call. We are even on the season. Uh, after last week, I had USC going down to Notre Dame, which hit. And then Luke had uh, Oregon State beating UCLA, which hit. And we each had the uh, other option there. So we are even on the season. After entering the week even as well. Uh this week I think everybody's playing, correct? Yeah. Um, no. There are eight there are four games. So four games. Okay. Four games. Yes, and I'll read them. We're gonna start with one that means a lot to the people of Seattle. We're gonna go down to Eugene, Oregon. Heard of it? Wow. So one of the bigger games of the week. Yes. We're we're gonna start here. We've got the 
the four and two Washington State Cougars that are coming off of a 38 point drubbing by the Arizona Wildcats. And they'll be taking on the Oregon Ducks, who, what happened to the Ducks last week, Jack? I can't remember. Mm, might want to type in uh, Oregon highlights week seven and see what pops up uh, on YouTube. <laughs> they, uh, a little miss field goal rush in the field happened last week. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, for this game, for this game, uh, the spread is like 20 and a half, which is I think it's that's pretty ridiculous. Wazoo yeah. all wazoo for, there's like that's like a number State. having situation right there. Yeah, they, wazoo is like one of those teams like Arizona State always plays UW tough. Wazoo plays Oregon tough year in and year out. I don't think it's a 20 point game. I think Oregon still wins, but I think it's more along the 10 to 17 range. Agreed. I think, I think it can get closer. It could be close in the fourth quarter, but I think Oregon wins. Yeah, it's weird. I think it's a, I think it is a two-score game. However, you want to make up those nine to sixteen points, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's a two-score game that the Ducks win. Um, yes. So we're on the same page there. Let's go to. I'm going to save maybe the biggest game of the weekend for last. We're going to go to UCLA and Stanford. Um, this one's on the farm. Yeah, weird game. Weird, weird game. <laughs> UCLA is ranked 25th in the country, by the way, for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take UCLA here. Stanford mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, they're they're Stanford's coming off of one of the craziest wins. Yeah, in my dude, it's like now. just nuts, man. Like that was a wild game. That was one of the more fun. We also missed that game last week, didn't we? I think we both took. Well, no, it was a Friday night game. We didn't pick it. Oh, we didn't pick it. You're right. Or no, did we start on Friday night? No, we probably did. We both probably took Colorado. Not going to lie. I think we both took Colorado. I thought we did. Yeah. Uh, anyway, nonetheless, that doesn't affect our overall. I'm going to take UCLA here. I don't think there's too much of an explanation. I know. Do you think that they'll just throw uh, – do you think that Stanford's going to come out and just throw slants to Iowa and Oregon? Yeah, it's going to be like – it's going to be like – it's going to be like – this game's going to be like 3-17. to 17. It, You know, like UCLA will be in control the entire time, but it's just going to be a barn burner in Palo Alto. Dude. Gosh, I was thinking, I was going to say, and now I'm going to just bring it up here. When you were talking about trying to go to bed early on Friday night last week, I couldn't because of just the hilariousness that was taking place on night television between Colorado and Stanford. That game was amazing to watch. But yes, I'll go ahead and take UCLA as well. Um, We'll get to the confidence interval for ASU Washington. Uh, So then the last non-Washington Pac-12 game at 5 p.m. on Fox. We've got the Utah Utes heading down to the Coliseum to take down or take on, excuse me, the USC Trojans. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a game that you just like pick a man. But I think USC is going to bounce back. I think it's going to be a really ugly game, Di- completely different styles. And Utah has had USC's number the last two or this last season or just in general too. But I just think. That Utah on the road versus Utah at home is just literally is just two completely different, very teams. different teams. And I don't think that you know how going in with the backup quarterback is going to be a tough task. I agree. I I want to have a different pick than you, but I just can't. I really I think I think USC kind of might roll them. Yeah, kind of like I, that. I mean, USC dropped from what? I mean, I guess they were nine, but they started. They opened this year at what five? USC. Yeah. And now yeah. they're 18 in the country. I think Caleb Williams is, I mean, Caleb Williams is the number one overall draft pick in the NFL. If anything else, like I think Caleb comes out and throws five touchdowns to secure. Yes. His own draft yes. Pick. 
you know what if I mean? I, like if we didn't have a differing pick. We'll throw in a big game of the week. Uh, and there's oh, some wow. other games. We'll throw in Penn state, Ohio state. Gosh, dude, who knows if we have the same pick for this one. And and this is, and this is playoff implications too. This is a big yeah. game for universe, Washington fans to watch in general, because, uh, what if I know. Penn state wins and, Ohio state or Ohio state, you know, there's, there's I don't three know teams who Washington would want to win this game. It's really, it's challenging. It's difficult. Yeah, I do think is. here's one, one thing I'll say, not that it matters on this podcast. I think that Michigan is like a score better than both of these teams. You know, I do too. But yeah, and I think Michigan is significantly I, as a Washington more. fan, I'd like Penn State to win just because they play Michigan at home, and I'd rather go up against an undefeated Penn State. And if if it ever got there, that's what I'd rather face. Interesting. Good point. But, yeah, anyways, but I think you know, who do you, I go back and forth. I think Ohio State's going to win. I mean. Here's the thing. I think Penn State's really good on defense. Ohio State, they have Marvin Harrison, who's obviously great. Emeka Ibuka situation, hard to know what his health is. So, like, I don't know that Ohio State's going to score much more than 20. Like, they might be in the 20s, but, dude, Penn State's offense is also not very good. Like, they're going to have to – they will have to score 21-plus points, obviously, to win this game. And I just don't know that they can. Bless you. Yeah, well, I got got a little cold going on. Trying to make it, trying to rest up tomorrow, make it to Saturday's game. Yeah, I'm going to pick Penn State, I think. Uh, there we go. Let's go. I wasn't just saying, I wanted, that's why I wanted you to go first because I didn't know if you were going to be trendy and I didn't want to like feel like I was just hopping along. Yeah. To do it. I, I, I don't know why. I just, Ohio State's offense just doesn't do it for me. Biggest game of Kyle McCord's, I, the Notre Dame game, I guess, was really tough. But I think Penn State's a whole lot better than Notre Dame is. And true, I just think that the the dynamic running back combo Penn State offers between Nick Singleton and Katron Allen is going to really wear down Ohio State's defensive line. I think Penn State's a lot better on the field in most places than people think compared to Ohio State. It is in it is in the shoe, which is very tough. But I just there's something weird about this Ohio State team. They just not like they're fraudulent, but they're just not as good as they normally are. I feel like. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think either there it's I don't know. I, I would I would say that both teams have played six games and the like I have no idea what either team is, to be hundred percent honest with you. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. It's just weird because Ohio State, you'd expect through six games, especially with the schedule that they've had this year. I mean, obviously they played Notre Dame, but if you cast that game out, like you'd have expected Notre Dame to score, I don't know, maybe 250, 300 points to this point. Right. 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 It just right. hasn't happened. But yeah. Drew Aller came in as a Heisman dark horse, and he hasn't turned the ball over yet. But it's like, dude. They haven't played anybody. No. So, I don't know. I mean, it, like, really hard to say. Fascinating game, though. Going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, it is going to be a very fun game. And I'm happy we're a 7.30 kick, so it's like, you know, you can watch that. You know, you can focus in on that in the morning. Yeah. Uh, All right, should we bet to bark before we confidence bet, interval? Bet to bark and confidence intervals. Uh, my bet to bark on the offensive side of the ball uh, yeah, I'm just going to say Romo Dunze. Uh, it's, it's such a basic, anybody on this offense really is, yeah. but I think just with the wide receiver questions, I think they're just going to lean on him a little bit more. Love it for me. Um, I am going to go with Dylan Johnson and here's why I think, um, Michael Penix was like, there's the cramping situation at the end of last game. Hard to say what's going on with the receiver room, but we know that at least two guys of their top four aren't a hundred percent. I think if the Huskies get up 
three scores at any point and they get the ball back, they're going to be trying to like, I, I like I might play the under in this game. Cause I think the Huskies in the second half will try and will try to shorten it. Yeah. They, no, they want to, they want to, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dylan Johnson get 20 plus carries. If they can get up early. They're going to just want to get out there on un, unscathed and just stay healthy yes. on the defense, defensive side of the ball. Kind of, as we hinted to, I really think that, Arizona State's just going to try and get their playmakers in space in the backfield a lot. They're going to really just really, yeah, I think they're really going to try and get their playmakers in space, you know, a couple yards in front of the line of scrimmage, a couple yards behind. Just They can't throw the ball downfield that well. And so for that reason, I'm going to say Mish Powell. Yeah, that was yours too. Yes. I'm glad. I think we should just go on a unified. Let's just take the same guy. Cause yeah, a little unity. Yeah. A little unity here in the locks. Um, I, I, I'm sure you think are thinking the same thing. I just oh. think they're going to try use guys in space and Misha's, you know, he plays the perfect position to make totally. a big impact. Yeah. I think Misha, I mean, you, you think about the Jordan James hit, I like, I see a lot of that happening. Dang it, Jack. I can't believe that you took Misha from me, but yes, somebody, somebody else actually, you know, we, I'm super. Yeah. Okay. I fine. I'll name you. someone else. Um, I'm going to go Cam for Nice. Nice. Yeah. A good pick. Similar too. type thing. I mean, I think, yeah. um, like, especially, I mean, one thing I'll mention is they get it to Elijah Badger a lot behind the line of scrimmage, but he traditionally lines out out wide if they have kind of in-breaking, like tunnel screen type stuff into the middle of the field. And then I just think, like, I think Cam Bicky Lannon also, um, another, I don't know, I think I think it's similar. He's a guy who plays in the middle of the field in the secondary that's going to come up and have to make some hits. So I'll go for Bicky Lannon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. And my bet to bark getting onto that now. I'm gonna say, I'm 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 gonna say a solid eight. Uh, I think that Washington has a clear advantage, and it should be a nine considering like win loss yeah. and stuff. But I'll take an extra point down just because the boogeyman of Arizona State is alive. And yeah, well. I wanted to do nine, but I, you just talked me out of it, so I'm gonna go eight point five. And I yeah, don't feel I like it's fair to acknowledge yeah. what Arizona State's done to us in the last. Set since since the turn of the yeah you have to you have to um I mean the thing is here's the thing they've only allowed one team to score more than thirty points but Arizona State has never scored more than thirty points this year yeah. and I think I think I mean breaking news I think Michael Penix and the Huskies might score them th- more than thirty this weekend <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you know it's a bold statement from you Luke yeah. we'll see. Um, but I think this is a big game, though, for Washington. De- Washington's defense to really make like get get some good momentum going, totally. Uh, because Arizona State doesn't score the ball too well, so I think it's a good, important game for their defense. Absolutely, we're excited. Seven thirty p.m. kick. Lots going on, not only in football but basketball coming up. We are like I guess uh, nine days once this airs away from the exhibition against St. Martin's, so. Husky Athletics coverage is popping on dogman.com. We'll see you there. Until then, Jack, go dogs. Go dogs. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. 
If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.